Doesn't matter where I've been Doesn't matter what I've seen There's nothing that means anything Without you When the black dog is at your door You know I'm there with you When you can't take it anymore You know I'm there with you And there's nowhere in this wide world That I wouldn't go for you when the black dog is at your door, you know I'm there with you. And when it rains without end, you know I'm there with you. When you lose faith in And a summer dress I try to catch your eye But your thoughts are elsewhere Drink until the room it spins I follow you outside Sitting in the gutter But we're looking at the stars Sitting in the gutter But we're looking at the stars Doesn't matter where I've been Doesn't matter what I've seen Nothing that means anything without you. When the black dog is at your door, you know I'm there with you. When you can't take it anymore, you know I'm there with you. And there's no Everybody to another edition of the Men's Mental Health Show. Nick Danter there with Black Dog, our signature song. Nick, how are you, mate? Thanks, Brad. I'm I'm great. Yeah, good. Yeah, lovely to be here. Yeah, it's, it's, I think the the wind's completely stopped outside at the moment, which is good. And uh, and Bodes, uh, of course, Bodie Mars and psychotherapist, our co-host, um, where you live, you would have been almost blown over. Yeah, up the top there. There's not a blade of grass that grass that isn't sort of kind of hanging on the edge, going whoo. <laughs> <laughs> 
it's over. Uh, it's sort of coming yeah. up again. Yeah. And, uh, you know, my tree ferns and all that sort of stuff are... Uh, Annette uh, rushes out in the garden and she wraps them all up uh, with stockings and that sort of stuff so they're bound together and they don't sway and tear apart, you know. So Good idea. Um, uh, she's the custodian of the garden when the winds are up. Mm. Well, 40 kilometer, uh, 90 kilometre hours winds plus, I think, for four or five days. It was, uh, it was a little bit too much, I thought. But it's calmed down now for our uh, guest today. And um, I'm really uh, happy and privileged that you've come along to join us. Uh, Susie Van Opdorp. Sorry, Susie Van Opdorp. How are you, Susie? I'm very well, Bradley. What about yourself? Yeah, I'm going okay. Yeah. I'm going okay. I'm, I'm getting there. I'm uh, just sort of weaning off some medication at the moment, but it's, yeah, I'm getting there. Things have been going pretty well. Fantastic. Of course, you're standing for the Labor uh, yeah, Party. Yeah, I'm Mord 1. Yep. So that's Lura to Mount Tomar. Yeah, and I'm the number one candidate hoping to replace Don McGregor. Right. Okay. Well, good luck. Thank you. And you're certainly going to be getting our votes, don't worry. <laughs> and I got it. Well, last week I was quite excited when Bodie said, um, mentioned to me that you, you, you said you're going to come on the show. Mm. And so I did a little bit of research. I hope mm. I've got a lot of this right. I might get some things wrong, which is pretty normal okay. for me. So I understand that uh, you're a, a, an official visitor for the mental health services. Mm. Um, uh, you were uh, a manager of the, uh, what, what is it? The, the Blue Mountains Women's Health. W Women's Health Service, that's right. Yeah. And also a caseworker with um, Trish Doyle, yeah. of course, yeah. who's our um, state labour um, candidate here and uh, leader, and also head to health referral service, mm -hmm. um, which I want to talk a little bit about, about that this mm. morning, if that's okay, sure. and heavily involved with the Blue Fringe Arts Festival. That's right. Yeah. Which is great. Yes, yeah. You've got your, your hands in everything. Yeah, I'm pretty interested in mental health and also just health and wellbeing and social justice generally. So they kind of all weave together, don't they? Mm. And I have they to do. say what a fabulous song that was, Nick. Thank you. So yeah. thank you. Yeah. yeah. Excellent. Beautiful. Susie, tell, tell us what, why you're so passionate about uh, mental health mm -hmm. and, and women's uh, mental health is also. And I know that you've mm. done a lot with domestic violence and we've done mm. many shows this year alone, haven't we both, yep. in, in regards. So we're sort of continuing along the track of um, just helping us understand as men areas where we can become better mm. um, and whatnot. So what, what was the driving force behind? Sure. Um, look, in the women's movement, there's this phrase we say, which is personal is political. So learning from your personal experience and worldview, and then how that is political in nature. But probably um, one of my interests in mental health probably comes from my father. My father had very serious depression and committed suicide or suicided when I was 17. And I was kind of like his carer for many years, like as a teenager, and looked after him. So, um, you know, like you, there's always something good that comes out of these experiences. And whilst that was very, very sad, um, and at that time, like in the late 1970s, there wasn't a lot of services available. Our understanding of mental health and mental illness was quite different. You know, really, we still mm -hmm. had those large institutions. Mm -hmm. Medications were not very satisfactory. Mm -hmm. um, you know, there weren't any of the group programs, employment programs, um, all of that yeah. to um, help people. Because I think, you know, medication can be useful, but mm -hmm. 
probably being what's more useful is the whole thing about having family support, friendship support, yeah. social inclusion, like yeah, social inclusion, of, of yeah, friends and, and family, yeah, yeah. absolutely, yeah, like social inclusion is a bit of a cliche now, but I think it's so true, you know, like people that are isolated are often going to feel depressed, like it's yeah. often a result of being isolated, yes. but the fact that you're isolated <laughs> is, 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 is going to make it worse. It's going to make, oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. yeah. so probably... <laughs> that through the lockdown, absolutely. Oh, exactly, exactly. Mm. So probably like a large part of my interest comes from that personal experience. And also I've always had friends that have wow. conditions like bipolar or um, other things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and, um, you know... I think I've learnt a lot through that. I've mm. been able to, you know, support them unconditionally through that, and um, and then I've been fortunate to kind of get involved in areas of work that I really mm. feel passionate about, mm. and that's really helped as yeah, well. Absolutely. Well, well, I know, and and you know, uh, you, your colleagues with Susan Templeman and and Trisha are also very passionate around mental health, and um, you know, the, we, we've had some extraordinary guests on on the show over the past two years two and a half years mm. and um one that comes to mind was a, a chap called glenn collis he's a, an indigenous fellow he's, a, he's, mm. he's he, i've never met anybody as passionate as as glenn he's a mm. real character um and he he came up he contacted me and he said look i hear you're doing the men's mental health show mm. he's involved with a, um, a rehab clinic at uh, gosford mm. he said uh you know you've had four suicides over, you know, you've lost four men from the age of 16 mm. to, to 71 mm. or whatever, mm. whoever the age was, I beg your pardon. Mm. Um, and, and it's looking to do a suicide or youth prevention program mm. up here. And, you know, I just think in the community, we are going to benefit so greatly by mm. having people like yeah. you um, supporting our, our, you know, mental health community. Mm, well, thanks. So thank you. Yeah, I mean, I think it's, I think it's really important to reach out um, like for people with mental health issues to reach out, but also for people like myself to mm. reach out. And really, to be honest, everyone's got something, mm. haven't they? Absolutely. Whether it has a label or not. Mm. <laughs> and yep. everyone has their challenges, whether it's a mental health ch challenge, a physical health challenge, yeah. Yeah, whatever. Absolutely. You know, like we've absolutely. all got something. And so really, mm. I think that's part of the destigmatisation that mm. needs to happen, mm. you know? Yes. Um, I mean, yeah. we've, we've been talking about that a lot on the program about men's vulnerabilities and allowing that to be actually expressed as a um, as a fact, as something that we can sit in, something we can uh, not be frightened of, but actually sort of kind of lean into. And that's, I think it's made a huge difference that our understanding you know, that for men that they too um, uh, are exhausted by carrying that mask of I've got it handled uh, mm. when when the uh, inside world is uh, it's all over the place or chaotic you know mm. so so st so I think that, yeah. that that opening if you like to um, all the challenges that we all face mm. uh, uh, all of mm. the time um, you know is a source of solidarity mm. and I love that song you know that you bring in. Uh, Nick, you know, because it, um, I'll be there for you is that lovely expression of solidarity um, and, that, and that there are companions that you can travel with. Um, and I think that's so crucial, uh, I guess. And um, I say thank, uh, hello to you, Susie. And, um, you know, you, Susie's been around this area, um, you know, ever, ever since I've arrived in the mountains mm. in 1989 and, mm. um, you know, been highly... Wow visible um, mm. as an advocate um, and as a genuine sort of people person, not just uh, uh, specifically in one area, mm. but as across the board. Mm. So uh, welcome, mm. it's a privilege for me to 
be sitting next to you. Thanks, Bodie. <laughs> Actually, I remember one of the first times I, I met you and when I was working in HIV AIDS and you were in one of the training courses that we did down at Nepean. Yeah, and also because of the Dutch thing. Yes, 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 that's <laughs> right. There was a connection there, wasn't Yeah, there, there was yeah, a connection right. there. Absolutely. So, Absolutely. So, and then we've gotten to know each other you know, even more over the last, I mean, that's 30 years ago now, nearly. And so, wow. you know, we've got to know each other quite yeah. well over that time. And, Absolutely. And, you know, you're an amazing advocate for, um, you know, men's therapy. Um, having worked mostly in women's areas, um, and also I'm one of five girls, so, like, I don't have that much contact with men seeking help. But mm. um, when I was an official visitor, part of that role is about, um, going into all mental health facilities in New South Wales and acting as a bit of a watchdog. You talk to the patients, you talk to their wow. family, you talk to the staff, but primarily it's about the, the patient or the person with um, lived experience. You know, I say patient because when you're in hospital, you are a patient. Mm. You know, you're pretty disempowered when you're in hospital. Oh, yeah. And so, you know, we can change the words and say you're a consumer or you're this Client or you're that. Or yeah, yeah, but the reality is when you're in hospital, um, it's a pretty alienating experience, especially when you're in a mental health facility. So, but what we would do is um, we'd spend probably three or four hours every month at different units. Mm. Um, and I, my units were Nepean Hospital in the uh, mental health facility plus the emergency department and the okay. psychiatric emergency. Mm. I used to do Blue Mountains occasionally. I did um, Westmead Children's and um, Red Bank House, which is a child and adolescent mm. unit. Mm. Um, I also did one of the private psych hospitals in Western Sydney down at Campbelltown. I did the youth and child unit mm. there. But, you know, we'd be there for a few hours and probably about half of that we'd spend mm. just chatting with people. Mm. And, um, you know, what I used to find is that the mental... You know, when you're an inpatient, you're often at a very high level of distress because yeah. it's only the people that are most unwell that mm. get admitted. Everyone else gets um, triaged and looked after in the community. So, you know, people are experiencing this very high level of distress. Sometimes mm. they're quite... Um, psychologically disturbed yeah. it's really difficult for them and yeah. it's difficult for everyone else too you know it's difficult for the staff it's difficult for the relatives um, but yeah. you know just to be able to sit with people for a couple of hours and we just we'd talk to as many people as we yeah. could and just to be kind of there for them mm. and and mm. then when they had um, issues or complaints we then tried to help resolve that yeah. through the system yeah. but also just learning from those multiple visits over a long period of time, mm, mm. what the issues were, and then trying to get the system to change too. So yeah. it's not just about individual advocacy, it's also mm. about systems advocacy and trying to make that system more kind of humane and, you yeah. know. And, like and, and I've, I've noticed it's changed over the years, particularly the last eight years, quite rapidly, to be honest. Mm. Um, do, what I was going to ask was when, because a lot of these, a lot of the, the, these people that are in dire need of, of, of your support and, mm. and, and support to become what just in a safe environment mm. um, have been sectioned or taken away their rights mm. uh, because they've either mm. uh, said they're going to self-harm or have failed at self-harm. Mm. And do you, know, do, you, do you notice a difference with men and women when you were, you were mm. chatting with them? So let's just mm. give you an example. Say somebody has had a failed suicide attempt. Um, are men more, I mean, I know in general we are, 
But did you find a lot of the men were angry? No, look, I think often they were really wanting to talk. And mm. um, when I worked for Trish, so I worked for Trish as an electorate officer, but a, about half of that work is actual was is case work, and it, and oh. that's in part because of my background. Like, right. yeah, you know, that a lot of people call their MP when they can't get access to services, when things have failed, um, and then they people say, oh, you should ring your local member, they might be able to help. So um, when people would ring, I'd often deal with those difficult issues. And I had, um, I mean, we in, in political life, you call people that use your service, access your service constituents. Right. But truly, I had quite a few men who I kind of felt were like my clients. You right. know, I had yeah. I had male carers that were very stressed out and right. experiencing their own mental health issues that would ring regularly, like every yeah. week. Yeah. I'd have people that would drop in to the office wow. um, just to touch base. Mm. It was really interesting for me because my perception, having worked in women's services, is so often women try to get their male partner to have counselling because things aren't working. Yeah. And yeah. men are so resistant to that. Yeah. But what this taught me was, if the setting is right, if the timing is right, um, actually men do want help. Yeah. It's just sure. that it's probably a bit more yeah. complicated than it is, like a woman will speak to her friends, um, she'll you know, call, maybe speak to her doctor, she'll ring the women's health have centre. have family come and visit or... Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and, they sh and women yeah. tend to be more social and more... Yeah kind of um, yeah, that's willing to share yeah. Their, yeah. You know, those personal yeah. aspects of themselves. Yeah. Um, but I think it's a lot harder for men. But I found that really interesting. And when I went for the job with the Head to Health, um, uh, one of the case studies that they did as part of the interview was a man, we involved a man. And I was just saying that, that although my, most of my experience is working with women, mm. um, in these unusual settings like Patricia's office, um, you know, I had actually I had a lot of experience working with men and supporting men, and and maybe because it was the MP's office, they felt that was less threatening because they weren't going to see a counsellor. They were, <laughs> they, were, they, were, they were they were just calling up for help supposedly. Yeah. <laughs> you should say you're an MP, and then maybe your your clientele would go up. So. Yes, <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Yeah, yeah. In, in fact, you know, sometimes um, when I have a couple in the room. Uh, the woman's fully engaged, but the guy's actually sort of looking up and down and everything, yeah. and they're on the floor, and, and yeah. I, I ask him a question, and, he's, and you know, he's, I don't know, or, um, um, or, you know, or there's a reaction, and, some, and I've had to actually stand in front of the door, too, in case there's a bolt, you know. Yeah. <laughs> I've made that statement, because mm. uh, I really want you to stay here, to yeah. hang in. Yeah, be present. Yeah. To be present, yeah, yeah. Um, but also to use the space to bring their own concerns or own needs um, in, into the space. And what's really interesting for me working with men is um, how um, unaccustomed men have been to think about what might be my needs or mm. what, what might be my, my source of despair or uncertainty um, or what, um, uh, what am I confused about. Um, because they're all um, expressions of not knowing. Mm -hmm. And I think one of the burdens of um, the male um, hegemony or the male leadership sort of idea in society has been that we know it all, we, you know, we've got it handled. And, um, and the truth is, um, uh, has been absolutely demolished over the last you know, 50 years um, um, in, in terms of actually men understanding the whole picture. Mm -hmm. We don't. So in a sense... 
I had this lovely guy. Um, he, he, he's, he's been seeing me on and off, you know, for about uh, 20 years. And always the pattern initially was uh, he'd be in for um, three sessions and, and he said, I'm good now. And, wait, you know, he's gone. Mm. And then two, two years later, I get a phone call, Bode's going to make a time. And, you know, um, and uh, very recently, um, you know, he's... Um, um, doing a long stint um, because he's exploring very deep issues, um, you know, for himself personally, and as, and as, it's a growing up time. And what's so interesting, the shift in him is, um, I need help, and I'm no longer um, sweated to the idea that I've got to sort it out myself. I can enter into a, a dialogue and a conversation in which um, we both don't know, but we're working towards something. Mm-hmm. Uh, so an understanding can emerge. Yeah. And, um, um, you know, the, this proud man and um, intense man mm. um, has become increasingly uh, gentle, increasingly um, tearful, increasingly insightful, increasingly buoyed by the idea that the demons that he's been wrestling with all yeah. his life um, are slowly dissolving. It's mm. wow. yeah. beautiful. Let let down your defences, really. Yeah, yeah. A, yeah absolutely. It's, it's the first. Uh, well, it's the quickest way mm. of, of getting to the core of the mm. problem. You know, that's what I found when when I was certainly going through my moments. Um, yeah. You know, where yeah, as soon as you can let them down, yeah, it's uh, something I, I else happens. It, I think it's also it, it's also very important that you connect with somebody. Mm. I mean, I look at both you, Bodie, and, and yourself, Susie, and you've, you know, you've, you're both very kind, non-judgmental people, um, you know, so immediately you sort of warm to that. Uh, you are too, Nick. I'm not leaving you yeah. out there, Nick. <laughs> <laughs> he's hiding around the corner here. You are too, Brad. Oh, thanks. <laughs> yeah, yeah, We're yeah. just going to have a moment here. Group hug. Group hug. <laughs> we did that. We, we, we love the hugs uh, here. But I was going to say the same thing, Bradley, because it comes down to trust, doesn't it? So oh, this yeah. man's trusting Bodhi, yeah, and that's mm. and, and having that ongoing relationship because mm. it's really it is about relationship. Like these the kind of quick yeah. fixes don't mm. really work. It's, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, and it, I mean, that, they talk about with trauma that um, the the well, not the cure for trauma, but the treatment for trauma is relationships, mm. and it's mm. um, it's that connection and the network that. Um, is, is what makes a difference mm. to yeah, it. very true. Mm. I mean, I used to notice that when I was an official visitor, that the people who had family support or friends did so much better mm. yeah. than the people who had yeah. maybe even a toxic family. You know, like mm. if, yeah. if your family is mm. part of the problem, it's really hard to remain mm. well. Mm. And... Um, yeah. Or if they're constantly criticising you mm. and seeing mm. you as the problem... Yeah. It makes it really difficult. Yeah. But, you know, that's one really solid thing that it taught me was you need to to keep the family and friends network alive for the person. You know, like the medication and the hospitalisation, yeah, yeah, yeah. it's not going to do much, no, really. It yeah. It's all yeah. those other things that, that make the difference. Yeah, yeah sort right. of... Mm. Um, the medication kind of makes the space for the healing to yeah. happen. Mm. It's, mm. And I, I guess mm. I see that a lot in or, in yeah. schools. Like, So that's my background is in okay. schools. And, yeah, the medication for the kids can be about just, yeah, slowing things down mm. enough for them to kind of be here and to start to, to mm. make progress. Well, it's pretty so. hard, isn't it, if you're super depressed 
and you're feeling like things are hopeless, it's pretty hard mm. to create a space within you for the possibility of change. Yeah. Or yeah. even getting out of bed, yeah. you know, yeah. like um, getting to an appointment. So, yeah, I think you're right. Mm. I mean, I, I'm not anti-medication. I definitely aren't. But I think yeah. that, I yeah. think that people, solution. we tend to think in our society yeah, that medication... Are you, have you got medication? Just, you, yeah. you just say, hey, here you go. This yeah. is the, and, and particularly around men, there's this, uh, you know, we, most of us believe that that's going to fix me, you know. That's, mm. that's going to be... The, the I, silver I don't need to go yeah. and see the council. Mm. I don't mm. need to... Mm. But what, what I've... Down. And I struggle at times to, to get out of bed. I do. Mm. I mean, I, I, I can wake up at seven in the morning and not get out till 10 sometimes. Mm. I, I really mm. do, and mm. particularly of late. But I found that if, like, the days where I've gotten up and I've taken the dog for a walk or I've mowed the, the lawns mm. for the neighbours and, uh, you know, it's that, that whole exercise and mental health, you know, mm. physical and mental health just sort of go together hand in hand. Mm. But, yeah, so I agree wholeheartedly with you there. Mm. Absolutely, and it's that purpose as well. It's having a purpose yeah. is, is yeah. it's critical, you know, um, because when you haven't got a purpose, you you haven't got hope. Yeah. Um, mm. And you know, without hope, you you know, you're stuck in that yeah. that hole or the clay pit, I call mm. it, where you keep mm. trying to climb, mm. but you slide back down. Mm. I, I want to pick up on um, what what you said about um, family, um, the, that you can help someone to. Uh, come to a place of um, a, a better sense of self or a better sense of functioning but if their family is actually challenged uh, in some way um, and they go back into uh, the family context that the old um, pressures or the, the, of family relationships can actually sort of kind of undermine the work that's been done in treatment or in, in a hospital setting. So I'm a great believer in family therapy. I did um, a, a three-year di diploma through Relationships Australia on family and couple therapy. And that was a very powerful um, immersion in that as a modality. And um, we're a little bit still f um, way behind the scene, um, really, in, in terms of other countries who employ family therapy much more powerfully um, than we do. We t we, our model has tended to actually sort of rest within individual um, symptoms and individual treatment rather than thinking about context um, in the family, but also within one's community. And uh, um, it's high time that we start to actually take a much broader contextual mm. understanding mm. Of, of, of mental health um, uh, other than it's a failure on an individual uh, to adapt to their circumstance. Mm. I mean, I think there's a, there's a cultural aspect, there's a contextual aspect, and there's a family aspect. And I've done family work, uh, of course, as part of my practice, where I've seen um, the whole family starting to work rather than the identified patient, you know, the person that's been identified as having a problem. Um, and um, when the whole family starts to work, um, so that's quite magic. Uh, you know, when a daughter owns up to something or another older boy owns up to something or the father goes, um, maybe I've been too busy with my work or um, I'm unhappy in my relationship, you know. Um, so uh, so um, when all members start to actually sort of identify their points of dissatisfaction, it frees up the ident so-called identified patient to actually say, well, maybe I'm not, I'm not as wounded or stuck or as problematic. Mm. Um, I'm no longer scapegoated. Um, our whole family has got an issue and let's work together to resolve something if that's at all possible. I think when I think about therapy, um, what I note, uh, I guess, with some sadness is just often the use of therapy is um, offered 
when the situation is um, overdeveloped and um, people are already checking out, they've already mm. moved on, they've already mm. come to a conclusion yeah. that things are over, that repair is not They're possible. They're arriving too late. Yeah. They're coming too late, yeah. Mm. And so inevitably um, um, it always leads to um, finishing up separa se separations and then there's good work in trying to be good parents together mm. in a separation situation. Of course, that's a crucial piece of work because it makes such a difference for the children. If there are children in the relationship, um, um, if parents can continue to function as parents. Um, so um, so uh, my shout out always to any men um, and women and families who are listening to this um, is to not think of therapy as a last resort, but as, a, as an opportunity to nip situations in the bud, to actually sort of understand what is going on within our system, mm. complex family system, um, and restore a sense of uh, greater transparency and greater uh, intimacy within mm. the family system. And kind of explore those issues of power um, and um, influence and, and, and um, roles that are too rigidified and all sort of stuff. Freeing, freeing it up, you know, bring, bringing uh, Robin Williams' sort of brand of humour into the situation, and um, it makes such a difference. Mm. Yeah, and I'd, I'd add to that, so when I split up with the mother of my two older kids, um, I went into, I did some, uh, like a men's group therapy thing, and it was almost as powerful for me hearing what the other people in the group were saying because um, I'd heard my story in my head many times, mm. so it was nothing new yeah. to me. Um, but what became really clear was just like hearing the patterns that the other people were in and then mm. sort of thinking about, okay, well, what pattern am I in? Mm. And it, because it, it's like it manifests in lots of different ways, but it's, it's, the, same, it's the same kind of thing and, mm. and like hearing the way that they were stuck and, um, yeah, like it really... And it, to me... It, I think I got more out of that than just probably doing the same thing by myself because yeah, it's yeah. Um, and, and in a group situation you're like they're giving input into what you're talking about and you're giving input into what they're talking about and it's it's sort of this collective genius approach to it yeah. rather than just yeah. yeah well I've got my problems I'm going to solve them with this therapist but it's still it's still a kind of closed yeah. house thing and I think the same for family therapy is just making it a wider mm -hmm. um, yeah bringing more people into the, mm. into the healing, I suppose. Mm. Yeah. Mm. yeah, no, I agree. I have to agree as well. Yeah, I certainly learn a lot more from other people than, you know, from, from facilitators if you're at hospital or what, you mm. know. Mm. But um, I couldn't agree more with you. Um, all right. Um, we might just uh, head to a song, but I just want to say a, a quick uh, thank you to our sponsors, Noel Pope. He's doing some terrific stuff down there from the Lawson Post Office. He's a real character. Mm. Um, get down there if you don't know him and chip in with a few bucks. Uh, he's doing a Christmas charity drive um, uh, for mental health. Uh, also too, to uh, Dale Hunt and Mounties Group as well as my good mate Craig Beachy from all manufacturing personnel, uh, recruitment and uh, labour hire company. I'll put all those details up on the screen, but we might have a song, eh, Nick? What have you got for us, baby? Yeah, look, I, um, I think I'll play Chalk Circle. So this is, it's, it's that idea of it's, uh, it's an old tale about there was a dispute between a man and a woman over a, a child. 
uh, and they brought the dispute to the king and the king um, put a circle on the, a chalk circle on the ground and put the kid in the middle and they both grabbed an arm and then the, kids, the king said, well, go. And one parent pulled and the other one let go and so the king said, well, the parent who let go, I'm going to give the child to because obviously the other one didn't have the care of the child uh, at heart. So that's, yeah, this is about that. So.
that's Nick Danto, everyone. Uh, Nick, uh, you can get, a, uh, get uh, a hold of some of uh, Nick's work on through Bandcamp. Uh, and also, too, we've got a really exciting announcement, Nick. You're playing at the Folk Festival. Playing at the Folk Festival, yeah. So How about great. that, eh? It's two years, three <laughs> years in there coming, in it? <laughs> Yeah, yeah, so, yeah, when, when COVID hit, I was playing at the festival. The festival was called off on the Friday mm. night mm. and I was going to be performing on the Saturday, so... And you'd written out all the words, you had everything ready everything and then ready to go. pull the pin on you. I've got the T-shirt that's got my name on it that <laughs> I, like, I think they probably pulped most of them. I don't know what they did with them, but <laughs> at a festival I never played at. So, yeah, excited mm. about... Yeah. It's good it's on fun. you, mate. It's well deserved, um, yeah, you know, you. how much we love your music here on the Men's Mental Health Show. Uh, we're joined today. Uh, with uh, by Susie uh, Van Ordorp. Uh, yep. Opdorp. Opdorp. Sorry. Pretty close. That's okay. <laughs> I've, I don't know why I keep I've grown up with it. I've, you know, it doesn't worry me. <laughs> I, I was, I was going to ask: Is it, the the P isn't silent? Uh, is it? No. So it's Opdorp. I beg your pardon. I wanted to to talk to you about something because the lovely Claire and I were sort of she was explaining to me about this um, head to health uh, referral service. Um, it's exceptional. Just give us a bit of insight about it. Sure. It's been um, established for COVID, but it will go on beyond COVID, I think. Mm. So there's the intake and information assessment um, service, which I work for, and then there's the hub. So people ring our service. It's a 1800 number, uh, 1800 595 and they'll get put through to their local head to health. So people ring up and we do an assessment and then we can provide referrals either into the hub or to other places. Mm. Um, what I've noticed since COVID is a lot, you know, a lot of people who may have been anxious and depressed prior, mm. it's made it a lot worse. Mm. And for mm. some people, yeah. they weren't actually anxious or depressed prior and now they are. Mm. And then the other thing is re-emerging after COVID, people having anxiety about going out, Yeah, mm. you know, mm. after, lockdown and also there's still that level of uncertainty because we are still getting new cases um mm. people feeling yeah concerned about that quite worried about that mm. so yeah it's mm. been interesting yeah mm. i enjoy it it's yeah. wonderful um but what have, is anything you want to add uh with susie we've susie's only got another 10 10 minutes or so yeah um well i guess the question is popping around in my mind sometimes is um is there room is there would it, to an idea of a men's um, health centre um, that um, would assist in a variety of things similar to the way that mm. women's health centres have, have been mm. um, now well embedded in the uh, Australian landscape. And I was wondering what, what, yeah. you know, what your thoughts might be about that sort of, uh, what might be the concerns, but what might be the, the points of mm. encouragement. Mm. I um, think it would be fantastic. I mean, I guess, the men's shared movement provides a little bit of a foundation for men's mental health and also bringing men together yep. in the same way that women's health centres do. I think one thing about the women's health centres movement is that it sort of started in the 1970s um, at a time when you know Australia was quite progressive mm. um, politically. Mm. Um, you know, the first fundings were provided as a result of the Whitlam government. Yeah. Um, just feels like a, kind of a time when it's so much harder to get those kinds of things mm, started. Mm, mm, mm. But I tend to think that working collaboratively with existing organisations and seeing what you can build from mm, that. Uh, mm, I mean, mm. for instance, it is very hard to attract doctors 
um, the Women's Health Centre has doctors, but it, it is very difficult to get doctors because community organisations can't really pay the kinds of wages mm. um, mm -hmm. that doctors... And also the all the clinical governance stuff mm. around having a doctor is, is difficult. But, I mean, there are some fantastic doctors in the Blue Mountains. Yep. Mm. Um, there's, you know, counsellors like yourself. I don't know, I wonder about whether... Um, it's possible to expand on what's already there. Mm, um, mm, and mm. also because the men's health, men's shed movement are non-government organisations, they can access mm. funding mm. as yeah. well. Mm. So, um, yeah, and no, I think it's a fantastic idea. Mm. Uh, it's just politically how do you make it happen when uh, also governments these days aren't wanting to commit to long-term funding either. No, that's true. And so it's, true. it's quite hard to... I mean, one of the reasons... I'm doing a Masters of Social Work to set up a counselling practice in a couple of years, and one of the reasons I'm doing that is I cannot stand to set up a, a counselling practice okay. in a couple of years when I'm finished. Good on you. Um, but one of the reasons I'm doing that is I just cannot do the the funding stuff anymore. I can't work with. Yeah, I can't. Yeah. You know, like um, the government's constantly changing stuff, mm. and often what they're replacing it with is a much lower level of service, yeah. and you know. I and also, you know, they duplicate because they want to be able to announce something new. Yes. So there's all these duplications within the system, which is really confusing for mm. people. Mm. It costs a lot of money. <laughs> but it, and then when people need, like, ongoing work, it's really hard to get. Um, yeah, so I kind of, after doing that for 30-plus years, I just thought, I can't do that anymore. Mm. <laughs> and, um, mm. Interesting. Yeah, Interesting. yeah. Well, maybe, I mean, you know, um, Bodhi and I have spoken about you know, men's um, shelters or um, services or um, younger men particularly mm. as well. Mm. Um, you know, that's something that maybe we could look into, particularly with Glenn Collis, um, you know, as well. It's, uh, I've, I know what you mean by um, banging your head up against the wall because mm. I've, I've had that problem when I've contacted mm. five people. I think only mm. one of the five got back to me mm. and that was a no. Mm. Um, so, yeah, yeah, it can be quite frustrating, I can only... There's long waiting lists for everything. Yeah. When yeah. people are in crisis, yeah. they need that help now. And I think yeah. that's the beauty of the Head to Health, that's right. that you ring the number, there's someone there. Yeah. And, um, yeah, like, when people need help, they need it now. They don't need to be told, go and get yourself a mental health care plan. Mm. At the moment, to try to get into private counselling through a mental health care mm. plan, you've probably got a six, eight-week waiting list. Mm. And that's mm. too long for a lot of people. Mm. Like, their mm. situation's just going to get worse if they have to wait mm. that long. So, um, mm. yeah, yeah. I mean, I think collaboration is important and trying to build those connections between services and also people, yeah. I think, is helpful. Yeah, yeah, I think that's really, very real. I mean, I've been working with a guy, um, so he's actually, actually um, you know, seeing me as a private client. He's not through a health plan. Mm -hmm. um, and um, But I, the work has been very helpful for him with the child support agency, getting all that sort of kind of nutted out um, in, a, in terms mm -hmm. of a recent separation. Um, mm -hmm. it's, been, it's been really helpful for him to be able to reflect on the mediation process, you know, uh, right. prior to going to court. Mm -hmm. um, so maybe using mediation as a means to under, understand something and to be able mm -hmm. to give him some um, pointers as to how, how to uh, state what he needs, um, uh, what he thinks he can manage, and you know, all that sort of mm -hmm. stuff. 
and to um, not use the mediation um, as a source of ongoing conflict, but as, yep. a, as an opportunity to, mm. you know, to mm. find um, uh, uh, different ideas mm. of co-parenting. Because I think that idea that um, mediation um, or therapy as a means to increase the well-being of, of a children that might be that up in his case um, two children in the relationship um, is a very important sort of you know a way of bringing the warring parties uh, mum and dad you know together or mum mum or dad dad whatever mm. whatever the context mm. is of the relationship so um, you know there is there is a lot of services out there but I think the question is when you when you do a referral and it's the right referral, um, gee, such a lot of good flows out of that. Mm. So there's no qu- no doubt in my mind that sort of uh, more effective means of actually matching um, and at the right time uh, does make such a difference. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely does make mm-hmm. make a big mm. difference. Mm-hmm. So, um, we don't have to create new new enterprises for every individual sort of kind of concern. You know what I mean? That, that, that that's an over delivery of something, and is um, but we can be more um, aware of uh, yeah. needs and... Adaptable, um, yeah. Yeah, yeah, adaptation. Mm. Group work, um, you know, some of the stuff that uh, Relationship Australia has done in terms of helping fathers oh. actually understand what it is to parent mm. um, have been enormously sort of beneficial. So mm. there's uh, quite a lot of meta-analyses that have sort of shown the effectiveness of mm. uh, group psychoeducational programs mm. helping men who haven't really thought about what it, what it means to father or what it means to parent and what it means to actually sort of take care of a child um, and relationally rather than just um, monitoring the child's behaviour. You know mm. I mean? These are f- uh, fantastically interesting shifts. Mm. Immersions in, in, a, in a parenting group, if you like, as, as a psychoeducational opportunity to learn something but also to learn from the others in the group, as you said, Nick, you know, where you're listening to other men reflecting on something and going, wow... Uh, you know, it seeds ideas, um, and we do better in collaboration than we do um, trying to battle it out on, on our own. So, there is a lot of good stuff that is out there, and um, and, we're, and we're looking to ways of maximising, so, because there's such a lot of good material and a lot of good uh, people out there. Uh, um, let's maximise that. You know, I'm mm-hmm. a great believer in maximisation. So. Yeah, I mean, it makes makes me think, and far be it for me to say schools need to do more because they don't. Um, but mm. but it's almost you want to have kids leaving school sort of understanding about how to find help and and it, mm. it's kind of predicated on most people will be okay just get out into the world and mm. and then the system is sort of like well when things completely fall apart mm. and it's a crisis do this but it's but I mean more and more we're understanding that it is it's everyone has got something going on and mm. it's mm. it's almost like we need. That needs to be part of the education is to know when things inevitably start to go wrong you've got the skills to yeah. to kind of manage that mm-hmm. because it's all it's all pointy end stuff it's yes. it's when people are at the end of it rather than yeah where's the early intervention stuff that's mm-hmm. yeah gonna help yeah. but mm-hmm. i'm going to have to go in a few minutes mm-hmm. so i just wanted to talk a little bit about the blue fringe art and literature festival mm-hmm. and i was leaving a book here i've addressed it to you to 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 bodie and to bradley um the blue fringe arts festival uh, usually happens in mental health month in october yeah. this year it all happened online rather than an in-person event mm. um 
a few years ago, my partner, Morris Brady, who was part of the original um, committee that set up Blue Fringe, died, and in his memory, I'd do a couple of awards, which um, one for art and one for literature. And I think it's something, you know, there's so many talented people in the Blue Mountains. Yeah. And creative and creative yeah, yeah mm -hmm. like and it's so so i just wanted to let people know about that um and you know next year i think they usually start taking entries from maybe june july next year yeah sure and it, you know it's lovely it's such a and hopefully next year it'll be an in-person event again yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah well we'll we'll put that up on the socials as well but um it's wonderful isn't it because Bodie, your um, wife annette's um involved with art therapy well she's a mm. psychotherapist art She's an art psychotherapist and an art art, um, art therapist, yeah. um, absolutely, and uh, does amazing work with um, mm. children um, and mothers with children and that sort of stuff. So, mm. uh, a shout out to Annette. Yeah, look, I I, I just think uh, uh, you know literature and arts, the create the creative, the so, so many uh, particularly boys. You know, there's a lot of boys who are very expressive. And they've got loud voices, and we actually see it immediately as a kind of a um, oh, that he needs a manga management or something. Mm. But actually, we, we need to stream these boys um, and become actors, or become sort of kind of you know in some sort of dramas or um, actors in their own story um, as a way of developing their understanding mm. and actually sort of mm. enriching their liveliness um, as as a means of um, entertaining all of us, but also growing our edges because. Uh, for me, as a from a European background, being in Australia and New Zealand, a lot of um, men, particularly, um, seem to have um, lost that expressive aspect of their personality, and I, and I think it's such a gift, um, you know, when when you have an, an an ability in a certain area, whether it's with words or movement or dance um, or um, you know writing songs or whatever, mm. that um, uh, as as a way of expressing oneself, you know, it's lively, it's it's um, affirming, it's beautiful. And artists tend to also describe what's happening to all of us in ways that are connective. Mm. And so I think the more that we encourage, um, you know, particularly yeah. young boys with their great voices, um, yeah. you know, to, to, to learn the expressive arts, yeah. um, is to harness that energy rather than correct it. Yeah. 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 Stifle it. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And if the world was run by artists, well, maybe the trains wouldn't run on time, but there'd be a whole lot less corruption, I reckon. Yeah, yeah, more happiness. <laughs> yeah, I agree. Susie Van Opdorp, thank you so much for coming in. Uh, Ward one for... Uh, the Blue Mountains Council here for the Labor Party. Mm. Give her your vote. I know she's got three here. Thank you, darling. <laughs> Thank you so very much. much. Great very to kind see you. Yeah. Meet you. And if you'd like me to come back next year, I'm more than happy to. You've <laughs> yeah. got my number. Absolutely. Fantastic. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you very much. Bye bye. Uh, just uh, whilst uh, uh, Bodie's seeing uh, Susie out, I thought I might mention the the Walk and Talk for Life is on this Saturday, uh, which is at uh, Wentworth Falls uh, Lake. Um, you meet there at uh, 8.45 for a 9am start. You can bring your, your pets or your dog uh, to walk around the lake for a, and join them for a coffee afterwards as well. Um, you'll see where the coffee van is is where they'll meet. You can't miss them. They look like uh, giant uh, yellow bumblebees. Um, unfortunately, I can't be there. I've got to be in Sydney with my son this weekend. But uh, Chief Inspector Gary Sims will be running uh, the, the, uh, the show there for the Walk and Talk for Life at uh, Wentworth Falls Lake. 8.45 a.m. to 9 a.m. It's coming up to eight minutes uh, to 12 uh, here on 89.1 RBM FM. 
uh, you're with uh, Bradley Spillane, your host um, on the Men's Mental Health Show. And uh, I've got my mate, Nick, over here, who's uh, also the principal of the Penrith Valley Learning Centre. Is that right? Yep. That's right. I've got it right. I've been struggling of late to get these things right. Mate, why don't we do a, another song? If you, if you, because I know you've got to duck off in a moment. So, um, what, what else? What else you got for us yeah, today? Yeah, look, I'll I, I'll do uh, the song that I wrote um, when the bushfires were going on at the end yeah. of 2019, and uh, yeah, I've um, I guess coming back into summer again, it, it becomes front of mind. So, just thought I would. Um, give that a go. So, uh, yeah. Okay. The end of the world would look like this Ash fallen like snow, a blood red sun cloaked in smoke, a noose of fires pulled tight. Faced down by the best of us We post photos of smoke and flames From Lithgow to Bendalong Messages sent with love From Lismore to Currajong as we wait for the southerly change As we wait for the change And summer has just begun And summer has just begun Whisper our plans so our kids don't hear Fear in our voices as we talk about the future It was only yesterday that a sunny day Was just a sunny day in summer hands just begun and summer has just begun as we wait for the southerly change as we wait for the change and all our talking leads to the change in climate Summer has just begun Already there are lives lost with no time to mourn there are lives to rebuild before we count the cost To the forests and the trees The birds 
just begun And summer has just begun And summer has just begun We wait for the southerly change We wait for the change Nick Danter. Wow. Love it, Nicky, baby. Thank you. Great song. God, he can write a song, can't he? Yeah, he can. It's no, amazing. No, I was just thinking, oh, summer's coming. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, we've had, a, we've had a, a pretty good show, I think. We, um, I know you've got to duck off, so I thought well, I've got some things to do as well as Bodie's, uh, I'm sure. So we, uh, we might finish up early today. Um, and just want to say a massive thanks uh, again to Susie Van Opdorp, um, uh, for coming in and, and just uh, really uh, giving us a lot of insight around mental health in our local community. What a, an absolute delight of a lady. Yeah, she's absolutely. beautiful. F- fantastic. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. It's wonderful. It's a privilege to walk her out to, uh, to her car and to acknowledge, you know, the, uh, the dedication of 30 years to our community, and, you know, in so many ways. And all, always, you know, in a way that's been very considered and, and, and on point and coming from a, a, an open heart. And I, I was very moved to hear of, um, you know, her relationship with the dad and, um, mm. and the challenge of that, of that, of that reality, the, the beauty of it, and the, what grew out of, um, you know, what we could say was traumatic, but also actually became a vocation, a flowering uh, yeah. of um, Susie. Um, mm. And we're beneficiaries of, um, yeah. know, of her journey and the integration that she's made of her journey. So thank you. Yeah. Wonderful. Susie. Yeah, wonderful. Nick, thank you, mate. Yeah, That's pleasure. Always lovely to be here. Yeah, yeah. see you in a couple of weeks. Yeah. And Nick, I'm a roadie for you on the, on the yeah. uh, thing. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. But I put my, I put my, <laughs> put my thing in. I'm selling the CDs. I'm spooking there. I'm going to go around the crowds. And, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, certainly. Like, see Nick, he's really bloody brilliant. You know, and uh, I'll, uh, yeah. I'll work up a routine. He's got, he even, has to give us a plug in return, you know that. Yeah, yeah, so. absolutely. But I'll, I'll even wear a sort of a board, you know, uh, or dress up, or, you know, whatever, just to sort of ham it up. You just go normal, baby. No, well, absolutely. Yeah, no. I want to bring a bit of sort of Maastricht, you know, uh, Southern Netherlands oh, right. um, sense of carnival and having a great time. Yeah, it's wonderful. Uh, and a big thanks, of course, to our sponsors, Mounties Group, Noel Lawson uh, Post Office, and the Greater Lawson Community, and also Craig uh, Baby Beachy. Uh, for more manufacturing personnel, recruitment and labour hire uh, company um, specialising in uh, yeah, your, your uh, labour hire needs. Um, all right, boys, we're right on time. We can head out and, uh, yeah, so thank you both and uh, look forward to seeing you next week and Bodie and, uh, of course, yep. Nick, we'll see you in two weeks' time or next week, whenever you want to come on. All right, all the best. Thanks so much.